listening to the Last Gen Podcast brought to you by Miracle Word Ministries. These episodes are specifically created with students in mind. More than ever before, we must know why we believe what we believe, build strong faith, and stay on fire for God. We know that Jesus is coming soon, and we're going to live like this is the last generation. Are you ready? Let's go. Welcome back to the Last Gen Podcast, everybody. My name is Alex Iaquinto on behalf of Miracle Word Ministries, and I'm actually very excited for today's episode, not only because we have a special guest, but because I get to hold a microphone like this. I love holding microphones. I really do. It sounds like, That sounds super egotistical. Yeah. But you're also <laughs> holding a microphone, but I, I just, it's better than the freaking, what's cool now, and is it's the temptation of many youth pastors, is holding the tiny mic like this. Being like Tiny Mike Clan, you know, you know yeah. about that? Yes. You know about Tiny Mike Clan? Yeah. Are you part of them? No. Good. I have a big mic. They can see me. Yeah. So. Hey. I I hate this. So we're gonna do this. Um, it's so much better. I just feel like I've got something. Anyways, today we're talking about something pretty interesting. I haven't thought of like a clever title, but we're talking about the topic of intimacy with God. Right. Um, I wanted to. Is that right? Just kidding. Oh, I should introduce my my guest. Um, everybody, they haven't seen you up until this point. Okay. Everybody, please welcome Pastor Lilia Petty. Hey, guys. What's up? What's going on? Tell Lilia? a little about yourself. Yeah, tell me about yourself, Lilia. <laughs> well, let me give you a background. Last episode we did, it started horribly. It did. It was so bad. Was I was really talking bad. about toes, and I thought he was going <laughs> to cut it. And he was looking at pictures of Kermit the Frog, so I totally thought it was going to get cut <laughs> wait, out. Wait, hold on. Back, wait, what? Yeah. Okay, so this is, you couldn't see us at the time. Now you have the luxury of looking at us on camera. Yeah, video podcast. Alex was... I'm looking at the camera. I'm not talking to you right now. I'm talking okay. about you. I'm just kidding. I'm laughing at you, not with you. Alex is literally looking at Kermit the Frog on his laptop, and I'm talking wait, why? about toes. Why? I don't know. Like, I really have no idea. And I even mentioned it. I, like, I was like, what are you doing? I love... And, then I go and listen to the podcast. I'm like, he kept me talking about toes. It and then, like, no, no, no. I know this is your podcast, like you, but let me finish. It sounds like you caught me in like a dirty, like, <laughs> he was looking at Kermit the Frog. I Devious. was not. It's not what it looks like. Well, it was just weird. And then, and then every single time he talked about that podcast, you bashed it. You were like, don't listen to it. It's so bad. It's funny. You want to know something? Here I am. That was I'm our back. most listened to podcast. <laughs> Because the toes? I don't know. I mean, it certainly wasn't because your name was on it. Hey. You know, people hey. people hear uh, the way I slander you. I know. <laughs> and then they think, like, I actually hate you. You do. It's behind it's camera true. and not behind yeah. camera. No, but no, but literally there's people that are like, they're like, I can't believe. Like, he said that you shouldn't listen to the podcast and it was the worst one they've ever done. Why would he say that? People pull me aside and they're like, why does that look so mean? Don't yeah. know. I don't I don't, don't know, know either. I think it's sometimes sometimes when you're honest, people treat you as mean, but really I'm just speaking the truth in love, minus the love. I feel like we're like spreading out a lot of feelings right now. I'm really not getting to the topic. How, how does that make you feel? Like awful. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to talk about this. We were going to talk about this before, um but for some reason I don't I don't know why we didn't. But um <laughs> We're talking about the topic of intimacy with God. And now, I do want to preface this topic because 
the reason I haven't gotten to teach, I've I've taught on this. I think on the last gen before. I don't think like we've titled a, a whole episode on it or talked about it completely. But I've referenced it, and even in the last podcast that we did on um, not the last one, but it was it was entitled um, "Breaking the Sin Cycle: How to Break mm-hmm. the Cycle of Sin." And we really focused on this aspect, some some of the stuff that we're going to talk about today. But I feel like this deserves a whole podcast because it's such a crucial thing, and it's like the the meat and the potatoes, if you will, of Christianity. Um, that I feel like a lot of people in our sphere, and when I say our, I mean Pentecostal, Word of Faith, sometimes miss. Um, and that's not because I'm bashing Pentecostals or Word of Faith. I'm Word of Faith. I'm Pentecostal. I'm charismatic. I'm all that. But I do feel like this is something that can be easily missed when you're in the Word of Faith camp. So um, we're talking about intimacy. Right? right. And so automatically that that freaks people out a little bit. Does it? Yeah. No, seriously, it does. Especially especially men. I guess, well, when you use the word inti- intimacy, yeah. But it all comes down to your relationship with God. How strong it is, how much you're pursuing it, stuff like that. And even you mentioned, like, right off the bat, this breaking the sin cycle. It's like, that's the biggest hindrance yeah. to your relationship with God. Because sep- sin separates you from the Lord. Right, right. It actually works both ways. Like, hold on, we'll, we'll get back to this. But it works both ways. Not only does um, your holiness life affect your relationship with the Lord, but your relationship with the Lord will affect your holiness life. Right. It all correlates together. Because if you, you know, like the biggest enemy, I heard Todd White say this, and I'm gonna, I'm probably going to mention him again because he has really, really helped me with this. Um, not because there's any lack of, of teaching on this with the people that I listen to. My uncle teaches on this a lot, and he's fantastic. Um, but I was listening to Todd White and he said, guilt, shame, and condemnation are the enemy of intimacy. Guilt, shame, and condemnation are the enemy of intimacy. And what happens is people get in this cycle, right? They think, okay, so they sin, right? They sin, they feel terrible, they feel, uh, you know, conviction, obviously they repent, then they feel condemnation from the devil. And so when they go back into their prayer, uh, you know, whatever you, prayer closet, metaphorically um they feel unworthy to be there Mm -hmm, they feel like they can't enter into the presence of god um and so they don't and they literally so it's literally like genesis 3 adam and eve hid from god right literally so it's the same cycle and then they hide from god and then because they haven't been in his presence then the cycle continues because your mind starts to think okay well i've already messed up What's the you know what's the point in trying to climb the ladder back because people have this mindset that I've got to climb the ladder back to right. holiness. Right. It's so true like a lot of people try to walk Christianity by themselves but the more time you spend with God the easier the walk is just like you said. Right. Like I don't know if I told you this. So before I got saved I like would write everything down, journal everything, which I'm super glad for now because it's like I can look back like a at a diary. Oh yeah, yeah, I know yeah. That. I know that. Yeah. But this I actually didn't find this journal until like a week ago. And so what it was was like Really? Yeah, you okay. looked at me no, like I thought, what? I thought, I thought you had that journal. No, there's a ton and I'm so glad I did that because it helps like me look back at what my brain was thinking at that time, like when I was almost saved, but not saved yet. And so there's this one journal where I would 
like make lists of everything I wanted to fix in my life. Right. So it'd be like complain less, like have more joy, love people more, all the things that we should do as a Christian. And I didn't quite know that yet. It's just things I wanted to correct in life. Right. And I kept trying to like fill that list all by myself and it would never get done. Like I would never be able to completely do all those things on the list. But after I accepted Jesus, I didn't even think about the list and all of those things fell into place. And it just shows when you commit your life to God, when you fall into that intimacy, when you're constantly just in communion with the Father, with Him, it's so easy for your actions to line up. And And it doesn't become a list of do's and don'ts. Right. Because like what Jesus said is, if you love me, you'll obey my commandments. Right. I did a podcast entitled, uh, it's controversial, and I, I would have, like, if it wasn't me that recorded the podcast and I saw that, I'd be like, this guy's an idiot. Because I, I intentionally titled it, like, very clickbaity. But I, enti- I entitled it, Why You Don't Have to Follow the Ten Commandments Anymore. Um, and really, people are like, no, you have to follow the ten. What, are you going to murder? No, that's not what I'm saying. You really only have one commandment as a Christian. Love. Mm-hmm. Love the Lord your God with all your mind, soul, strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's literally, Jesus said, a new commandment I give unto you. Love. Because if you love God, you're not going to sin. You're not going to, you know, commit adultery. If I love you, I'm not going to steal from you. Right. right? Um, And so, really, once you understand, like, the whole intimacy thing, and we're going to define that because a lot of people think that they do have intimacy with God when in reality they don't. Mm -hmm. Um, Intimacy isn't just, like, the the time you spend with God. Mm -hmm. Because I can spend time with anyone. That doesn't mean it's quality time. Mm-hmm. Right? right? I spend time uh on my computer. I'm not qu- there's no quality time spent anywhere. That's a, it's a job, right? Mm-hmm. Um but when I when I like put things aside and and spend quality time with a person on purpose, that's intimacy. That's quality time. Right. Um but I want to to have this caveat because I feel like this is where the divide is, especially among like I said I said that people have a problem with that word and you were kind of if you about that, this is what I mean. I feel like, especially guys, like especially guys, and especially young guys, have a problem with that word. Not that they would like say like, no, I don't believe in intimacy with God. Like they just have a problem with that connection. Because when you think intimacy, what do you automatically think? Closeness. Right, but I mean, it's it's like an, a romantic type thing, right? There, yeah. There's a connotation to that word. Um, and so guys automatically think. Oh, like that's that's like feminine and you know like like girly and people have to be and granted people get freaking weird. All right. That's true. Can we talk about that's it? That's true. Can we talk about it? No. So, I'm I'm basically like Kenneth Hagin said, you didn't you don't have to be on one side of the ditch or the other. You don't have to be, you know, crazy wrong this way or crazy wrong that way. You can be in the middle. You can have sound doctrine. Um on one side, you have charismatics who are freaking weird. <laughs> okay? Like It's true. They like I've not let me think of a way to put this. I I think the most off-putting thing ever to me is when men, Christian men are act feminine, right? And then they mask it with intimacy with God. I'm telling you, like there are so there, we have too many feminine men in this generation. That is true. I'm like, not gonna lie. Legit. Can we intimacy with God? One, if you cultivate an intimate relationship with God, that does not mean you're gonna become a, a nutcase who's always like, 
you know, what, what is it? What is the thing that people feel like they have to like talk softly? And it's like, bro, let me just rub your back. Like, you know how many back rubs I've gotten at altars? What the heck? The heck? No, I'm serious. <laughs> from dudes? Who does that? Yes. See, if I got back rub from a dude, there'd be hands thrown. Right. No, I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's different. But <laughs> That's why I'm like, really? <laughs> no, but I'm serious. Like, people have this concept that, oh, if we're talking about intimacy, we're, we're all gushy and we just... Uh, no, yeah, you're right. You're right. It's like, I'm, I'm so broken and that, you know, that kind of thing. Right. Where they feel like they have to be feminine and they, you know. And I, I totally understand if you have seen like that modeled in front of you and you, you're like disgusted. I understand men should be masculine. Mm-hmm. That's true. We don't need more feminine men. We need more masculine men. We don't need more men like that. You know, like it's the perfect like, let's do a men's meeting, bro. But let's just sit around and dude, who's your accountability partner, bro? Like that, that's <laughs> feminine. Like it doesn't matter how many times you say bro. Right. You're, you're feminine. Like, stop. So that's, we're not saying that you have to get this weird, you have to adopt this weird personality to become intimate with God. On the other hand, you have people that are so like, um, they would call themselves so like, I'm hardcore Pentecostal that they have no feelings whatsoever. Mm -hmm. Like they totally, um, reject the whole. Uh, intimacy with God part because they right. try, and I said this before, but it's so true. People try to preach to God in their prayer closet. Right, that's true. Like, like they try to. It's like they don't think that God understands the doctrines of the Bible. We understand God that you're a healer, and in Isaiah fifty, it's like talk to Him like you talk to your father mm-hmm. because He is. It's you know you got to have a balance with that. Right. You went on a rampage. I was like, okay, yeah. are you done? Yeah. That's good. No, yeah, literally. Because I even feel like, so with men, you can obviously yeah. talk on that, but I even feel like with women, yeah. I keep looking at the camera. Let me look at you. Um, I even feel, well, I keep going back and forth. You're going to like kill it with like, these camera angles. Okay. I feel like with even girls, it's kind of like when you get in God's presence, you have to like be super sappy. And it's like, it's Take not like shoes. that. Stop. No, p- girls. We're not that. talking about toes anymore. But that's, that's part <laughs> no of it, though. Toes. Literally, though, people just make things so weird. And it's like, honestly, like when you told me you want to talk about this topic, all I wrote down was um, it's in James 4, 8. And it's like, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. If yeah. you literally just pursue the father in prayer, if you literally just pursue him, even reading the word, though, like taking scripture and applying it to your prayer and just talking to him like a father it takes the intimacy to the next level and you don't have to get weird about it. Right. Like you can literally, and the more you get close to God, the more you can hear his voice, the easier it is to walk according to his will mm-hmm. without being weird. Yeah. Like we've always, every single podcast we do together, we bash weird Christians. Well, I mean, it needs to be talked about. And it does. And but why people, always with me? I feel like, well, because I mean like who else? Uh, we're dropping hints. I mean, who? yeah. You're, you're Christians don't have to be weird. That's no, like <laughs> it's true. Lilia. It's true. Oh, I mean, it needs to be talked about, and then people feel like they're mean for saying it. It's like, no, like I'm not, I'm not calling out specific people and being like, I hate your personality. It's, but it's like, people really like normal people get saved, and then they feel like they have to adopt a new personality. You know, like obviously, yes, like go on the road of sanctification. Don't be cursing and be like, it's my personality. I'm Irish. That's how we do it. Like, you know, like live holy, but. You don't have to completely lose your personality, and people struggle with that. And then it's so sad to see someone who has, and you could tell that God has gifted them with like, with like people skills. They're really funny. They're really nice. Like you love spending time with them. They're, they're charismatic, 
in, in a way, like, they have charisma. I'm not talking about charismatic, like, Pentecostal. But then they get into this weird thing, and then they feel like they have to, I don't know, either they go the route right. of pretending like they're someone else. Like, how many people do we know that talk like a preacher we know? Yeah. Seriously. That's true. Like, to the T. Mm-hmm. Like they adopt the personality, they adopt every the like, all the all the mannerisms. They completely become the, their favorite preacher. Mm-hmm. So they fall down that road, or they fall down the road where they're just like, bro, just like soaking right now, you know that kind of stuff. Um, but I feel like, and I want to read this scripture. This will this scripture will scare the hell out of you, mm-hmm. like really, literally, because and it'll scare the hell out of Christians. Not I'm talking about unbelievers. Like listen to this. Matthew 7, what is it, 21? Can you do something for me? What does that mean? Can we cut that out, like, for your own good? What? 21? <laughs> the, the song you're singing. I, see, I heard it on the radio, <laughs> and I don't know what it I'm means. I'm done. It's probably not I think it's also, is it 21? I think it's 21. It's Matthew 7, 21. Oh. All right. Jesus said this, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven but the one who does does the will of my father who is in heaven listen to this jesus is speaking of judgment day like at the end of time we're all going to be standing before jesus and he says this on that day many will say to me lord lord did we not prophesy in your name or and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name so there's going to be people that were used in the gifts of the spirit looking at jesus Saying, didn't we, didn't we heal the sick? Didn't we cast out demons? Didn't we prophesy? Didn't we move in the gifts? And this is what Jesus says. And he says, and then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. There will be preachers who worked in the gifts of the Spirit, who did miracles, who prophesied, who will end up in hell. Yeah. Why? Because it doesn't take intimacy to work in the gifts of the Spirit. Right. Think about this. Um, my uncle's, I think it was grandfather, always said this. God is the only boss who will fire you and then keep letting you work for him. Mm-hmm. Meaning, like, there are preachers who were on point. They were living holy. They were, you know, they had a relationship with God. They were working in the gifts of the Spirit. They, you know, were very prominent and people saw them as great men of God. And then they got off. They they got wacky doctrine. They yeah. started missing it in every area. They started, they started literally like living in sin. We find out later this whole time they were living in sin. But you think, but the whole time they were doing miracles. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like that's the crazy thing. Like people who are on their way to hell can work, can work in miracles. Right. Can work in the gifts of the spirit because God loves the people so much. That he'll let an imperfect person do the work of the Lord, even though they're not right with God. Right. And then it's like one day they're going to get to heaven and realize that they're not, they don't have intimacy. Well, that's right. right. I meant before the father. Yeah. But like, I mean, even with that, there's preachers today who they're not even hiding sin. They're outwardly sinning and saying, this is like the will of the father that we live in sin. And it's like, they're missing it. Mm -hmm. They're just missing it. Because if you're intimate with God... You're wa- yeah. you're walking with God. You're not just working for Him. Right. So like even like let's break that down even like in a very practical way. If if a person, even just a Christian, is 
says they're saved, say they're in a in a relationship with God. What that means is, what they're claiming is, the Holy Spirit lives inside of me. Jesus is my elder brother, and God sees me like he sees Jesus, as righteous, mm -hmm. right? Completely mm -hmm. righteous. And these people continually live in sin. That is not possible without grieving the Holy Spirit. In mm -hmm. First Thessalonians, what, First Thessalonians nice. it says, don't grieve the Spirit. Yeah. Right? There's two things you can do to the Spirit. You can quench the Spirit, and you can grieve the Spirit. Mm -hmm. Grieving the Spirit is when you're a Christian... The Holy Spirit lives inside of you, but you continue to neglect him, meaning you don't make time for prayer. Mm -hmm. You know, like, it really breaks your heart when you think of the Holy Spirit being a person. Right. A real person who has a personality and feelings. Mm -hmm. Like, you can grieve the Holy Spirit. Like, the Holy Spirit can be grieved because of your actions. Yeah. Like, God can be grieved because of your actions. And people who don't have this shell of a relationship with no intimacy no uh communion back and forth it's it's really just a form of godliness but denying the power yeah it's a shell of a relationship yeah yeah i agree with you amen amen yeah no i, I mean, don't have anything to add on that i wanted you to continue going off of that that was great thank you don't yeah don't worry about it uh, well i have to Okay. <laughs> um, no, I mean it's it is sad. Like it, it's something that when you think about it, it does break your heart because, um, God, you know, and it, and it took me a while to like understand this or look at it this way, but God wants to have a relationship with you. So it's not that we are striving to have a relationship with God. Like we're just trying to, you know, like like I wish He'd notice me. Like I. And then, and I'll ask you a question because I, I want to see how you'll answer this. Um, a little role playing as if someone came to ask you a question. Okay. Um, it, I, it took me a while to, to see it like this, but God desires to have a relationship with you more than you desire to have a relationship with him. Yeah, that's true. Like, he's up all night, right? Mm -hmm. Waiting for you to come to talk to him. Yeah. That's crazy. Even think about it from the point of like, He'd probably rather have you intimate with him than doing the work for him mm. because it's like, it's your soul first. Yeah. It's your soul. And he cares more about you than what you can do for him. Right. Yeah. Because, I mean, think about with a natural boss. Like, if you went into somebody's house without knowing them and cleaned it and, or like, made it super neat, yeah. they don't care how neat you made it. You broke into their house. You're right. getting arrested. Right. They care more about meeting you first and yeah. getting to know you. They got, like, God actually cares about getting... A lot of people think that prayer is just, like, a religious duty to kind of, like, check off the box and get what you want quick. Right. And it's like, no, God actually just wants to spend time with you. Like... He genuinely wants to spend time with you and tell you things and give you fresh revelation. Right. And that's the part that people miss is the spend time with God. And yeah. they, that's a foreign concept to a lot of people because they do see prayer as only, and it is, it is God answers prayer and you should be praying specifically right. in faith for yeah. things, but don't get so off on that where that's your only prayer. Yeah. Where it's like, only requests, but that's not what the Bible says. It says supplication, requests, thanksgiving, and then there's there's even what um, is outlined in Genesis where Adam walked with God. Yeah, it's like I mean, what what did think about this? What did Adam need? Nothing. 
He was in the Garden of Eden. Mm-hmm. It was a perfect paradise where all of his needs were met and more. He had full dominion. There was no enemy. Right. Complete. Just complete. Perfect. The perfect will of God. And still, Adam walked with God. Yeah. Why? Because what was Adam asking for? He wasn't asking for anything. Why? They wanted to spend time with each other. I guess the question for you guys would be, is, like, and this sounds cheesy and cliche, but like, honestly, is God your best friend? Because is he like your go-to person? You know? It's like that should, God should be the closest person to you more than your mom, more than your dad, more than your best friends. Like naturally, he should be the person that you're like, I can't wait to talk to him about this. Right. Like, honestly, you know, like when something good happens, you're like, I can't wait to call everybody about it. It's like God should be on that list of people of like people you want to thank when something great happens. Right. God's really like he wants to be your best friend. And I think a lot of people think that it's us striving to be his best friend. Like, we'll go back to the word intimacy. It's us striving for intimacy, but really it's him who wanted intimacy in the first place and we're just meeting him. Right. And and we love him because he first loved us. Right. And then we, you know, we think that God is like putting barriers in front of that. Right. When in reality, it's like, no, bro, you're putting barriers in front of it. You're dwelling on the past. You're living in condemnation and guilt and shame. When in reality, he has already wiped everything clean. Why did he wipe it clean? He, He didn't just wipe your past clean he didn't just cover your sin he actually removed it as far as the east is from the west so right. as far as he removed our sins from us and he made you righteous and that means right standing with god right not only that but in um first and second timothy you can read it like this is why it's probably they're probably my favorite epistles in the bible is because paul continually goes back to this topic and he says this more in in first and second timothy than he does in any other book he uses the word conscience let's draw near with a clean conscience Mm -hmm. right and he says he talks about the whole time he's like drawing near with to god with a clean conscience and that that's not um god's record of us sinning and not sinning it's our record of us Mm -hmm. like if you've sinned and then repented of that sin God has forgiven you, like he said in 1 John 1, 9, and he's cleansed you of all unrighteousness. Are you then keeping record of your own sin yeah, when right. you're going back into the presence of God, not consciously, but subconsciously? And so you're putting barriers because you think, okay, it's like, and then it's like this weird, like, you, you try to treat God like it's th- this friend that you haven't seen in a while and there's something weird between you guys, like, so you have to talk real formally. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's that's the enemy of intimacy. Yeah, is when you feel like there's something between you and God, and if it is real sin and you're actively engaging in it, you need to stop. Yeah, because that will destroy your your relationship with the Lord, and it'll and harden you your conscience. Yeah, it'll harden your heart so that you won't even feel convicted about it. Then you're on your way to hell. Yeah, like that's right. the path to hell. But if it's something that you've already been forgiven of, let it go. Yeah, like, right. Understand what that means, what cleansing and and what removing sin means. It means it's literally he does not remember it. He said that I will yeah. not remember your sin. It's like you're bringing up stuff in prayer, and he's like, "What are you talking about?" Like right? literally. But God, in His think about this, God in His um, omniscience, mm-hmm. meaning He knows everything, has chosen to forget about things. Right. He actually, there are things that God that you know that God doesn't know. Right. Because he's chosen to, he he does not remember, repented of sin, mm-hmm. and that's crazy. And so when you go into the presence of God, like 
Father, you know, three years ago I was a sinner. And he's like, no, I don't. I, I don't know that. Like, what? You're a new creation, right? Right. So that is that is a huge enemy of intimacy. And then I wanted to ask you um, this, because in a practical aspect, people understand, like, yeah, Jesus should be my best friend when I enter prayer. It shouldn't be like I'm trudging through religious uh, nonsense to get to the presence of God. It should really just be like, if I'm in my prayer time... You switch it, you turn your attention towards towards the Lord, and it's complete one-on-one intimacy. It should be like that. But how would you um, answer if a if a young person came to you, a student, middle school or high schooler, came to you and said, I want that, I just feel like I don't feel the presence of God when I pray. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm just talking. I don't even know if God hears me. It just feels dry. I don't. How do I get that? Well, obviously, I'd go over the topic of sin first if they weren't saved. Right. But if they were saved, I would say. Right, a Christian. Right, a Christian. Okay. Um. Well, first of all, I would give. I would break down how to pray because right. a lot of people just don't know how. Like there is even a time when I didn't know how to pray, and I just get into the, to prayer like, "Hey God, I need A B C D E F G." Doesn't feel like prayer. You leave feeling like, "What was that?" So I. would Break it down with them. You know, you enter his gates with praise and his courts with thanksgiving. So, like, spend a good amount of time thanking him for what he's done. Yep. Take time for, to ask him for things because he actually wants you to ask him for things. And then praise him that it's already done. Yeah. And then from there, it'd be, like, simple, practical things. Get rid of distractions. So many people are like, I don't feel the presence of God, yet you got music blasting in your ear all the time. Yeah, worship. You're you on have- your phone, like, right. in between every five minutes so and you don't, like, fall asleep. It's like... Put everything away. That's why a lot of people do have like actual prayer closets. Yep. Because it gets rid of distraction. Idea. No, I literally will go in my car and just sit there by myself because you have to put away distractions. Right. Because I'll be real. When you're first getting into prayer, it's easy to be, feel sleepy, to feel unfocused because you're not used to it. But the more you press in, the more yeah. you draw near to God, the more you feel his presence and the quicker. Right. So I would say pursue push past that little barrier that you feel and honestly press into God until you feel his presence. Like sit there and thank him until you feel his presence. Yeah. But also it's not a feeling like right. it's great. It's great when you do feel it. Like it's really great. Yeah. But you also should just believe already that God hears your prayers. There, yeah. There is like a knowing where it's like, um, regardless if I feel the presence of God or not, I mean, it really doesn't, it, it, it doesn't make a difference in what I, you know, because once you, because what you just described there, where it's like you first get saved and you try to pray and then your mind is all cluttered and mm-hmm. you feel like falling asleep, what that is is you're tur- you're trying to turn off your your thoughts, but the more quiet your mind gets, the louder the commotion is, mm-hmm. because it actually doesn't it doesn't get more uh uh cal- clamorous is that a word yeah I don't know there's calamity it doesn't get more chaotic in your mind when you try to pray. It just reveals when you're still, when you stop thinking actively about things, it just reveals how much is going on in your mind already. Yeah. Think about the fact that people can't spend time with themselves. Yeah. Like, they can't because it's just everything. I have to be on the phone with someone. I have to call someone. I have to uh, be watching something. Even messages on YouTube. I have to be watching a sermon always. Like, they can't be alone with themselves because their mind is going a million miles a Mm -hmm. minute. And once they try to pray, that's when all of that's revealed. Yeah. And it's like, oh, shoot. Like, you know, my mind is like a, a war zone. Mm-hmm. Because because that that's what happens when you don't take time to take thoughts captive. Right. So there is a knowing where it's like, I don't have to work 
to feel the presence of God because the only thing that's stopping me right now from feeling the presence of God is everything else. Yeah. Is all the other distractions. God is always everywhere. Mm-hmm. Like, he's uh, he's omnipresent. That's mm-hmm. what I was looking for. He's omnipresent, meaning you don't have to go and try to grab his presence and bring it in. He's Not only is he omnipresent, but he lives within you. So it's not even like this. Like, people treat prayer like this. Mm-hmm. It's like this. Yeah. Um, and so there is a knowing where you just sit still. That's where what God said. Be still and know that I am God. Yeah. Be still. And that doesn't mean, you know, stop pressing in, in faith for things because people use it like that. Being still means stop what you're doing. Yeah. Because that's stopping you from from intimacy. It really is. It's it's really hindering. And even with that, it's like if you feel like you have to really strive for God's presence, like obviously, like you said, press in. But if you don't feel like he hears your prayers, pr- I mean, the whole action of prayer is a step of faith. Yep. It's a whole step of faith because you have faith that God hears you. Right. You have faith that God is going to answer it. And then the whole action of praise is thanking him that what you're praying about is already done. That's right. Even though you can't see it yet, just like Hebrews 11 one says that even though you can't see it yet, you believe that it's there. So faith in itself is an action. Right. But if you're constantly praying, waiting for God to hear you, you're praying against the wall because you're not, it. the, the whole thing is faith. Yeah. So if you're praying, hoping that God hears you, you're not acting in faith. You, right. Does that make sense? Yeah. Am I wording that right? Yeah. No, yeah. That's exactly right. Um, because you don't even believe your own position. Right. Because prayer isn't... Uh, I'm going to say this because it has its alliteration so people remember it. Not because it'll be more powerful. But prayer isn't a practice. Prayer is positional. Yeah. Meaning like prayer comes from understanding righteousness it really does because you can't come to god people have a problem with this because they think in the old testament god even says that i can't look at sin god can't Mm -hmm. look at sin god nobody can look at god and live the bible says that over and over again yet people have seen god Mm -hmm. so how is that because in your own strength a, a, a unregenerate person who's not um who's not saved doesn't have the righteousness of god in christ isn't the righteousness of god in christ if they were in the presence of God, they would die. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a miracle that Isaiah lived. Yeah. Isaiah went up to heaven, saw God, and he started freaking out because he realized, oh, shoot, I'm a man of unclean lips, and my people are of unclean lips. I should die right now. Mm-hmm. But then what did God do? He reached into the coal, and he, and he cleansed him. Right. And so and that's that's a type of the Holy Spirit uh, burning out sin in our life and, um, and cleansing us. But here's the verse I was looking for. First Peter chapter three, unless it's second Peter, but this, yep. First Peter chapter three and verse 12. This is Peter quoting. Let's see. Do you not have footnotes? You do. I need to get this right. He is quoting Psalms. Yep. He's quoting Psalm 34. And this is now saying that this is in a new Testament context. This applies to us. Um, First Peter three twelve. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayers. Yeah. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. Means he's constantly looking. He's con- not in a like a, you know, a chaperone way, but he's constantly um, engaged with me. Yeah. He constantly wants to know what I'm doing, 
and his ears are open to their prayers. Because what I said a minute ago, it's positional. It's understanding, and I said this in the in the podcast about the sin cycle. It's understanding that when God looks at me, he sees Jesus. Mm-hmm. He doesn't see Alex anymore because when you think about um, how we've been united with Christ, Paul always, it's called Pauline revelation. And um, my uncle talks about this all the time. It's Pauline revelation. It's the revelation that Paul had when he says, in Christ, with Christ, um, of Christ. Yeah. Being in Christ, being one with Christ. So you'll hear him say all this language. What that means is when we were, you know, it's like baptism, mm-hmm. okay? It's a symbol, yes, but it's it's more than that because when we're going down, we're being buried with Christ. Yeah. When we come up, we're being raised with Christ in one body. Mm-hmm. Not meaning like when Jesus rose, he also reached down and picked us up too. Right. It was that when we rose, we became the body of Christ. Right. And so in heaven, it says we're seated um, with Christ in heavenly places. We're seated in Christ in heavenly It's not the Father, then on the right hand, Jesus, then at the right hand, us. It's the Father and the body of Christ, mm-hmm. meaning us. Right. And he's the head. Right. One seat. Right. So when we come into the uh, the presence of God, he doesn't see us. He sees Jesus. Right. And when you change how you see yourself, yep. it changes your prayer. Yep. Because you don't see yourself as a weak, beaten up person, but you see somebody who can come boldly before the throne. Yep. There was this book. I hope this isn't too, like off topic, but there was this book I was reading yesterday by Kenneth E. Hagan. He was talking about faith and how we fight the good fight of faith. Right. And he's like, okay, well, for there to be a fight, then there has to be enemies. So it broke down some of the enemies to your faith. And one of them was your identity. Like when you don't know who you are, it limits what you think you have accessible to you. Right. Like even with a job, if you didn't know you worked there, how do you know you have access to the back room? Right. right. So it's like, you have to know who you are. And so he said, he will tell new believers who don't really understand their position to Go to the Bible app or just search it up like scriptures that say like in him, with yeah. him, in whom. Yeah. And like look at what Christ bought for you. Look at who you are now. Right. Because wrapping up everything that we talked about in a bow tie, you're not a sinner anymore. You're a new creation. Right. And so you become you can come boldly before the throne. And when you get that revelation, it takes your prayer time from being a time of like mourning from your past and making excuses and just trying trying and trying and trying to get to God's presence but you never really can and it it takes it from that and makes it so you can boldly enter his throne and be have that intimacy with God and you can do the work not for him but with him yeah that's really true that's really true it's you will stop yourself and and so to answer and you already did answer to, to answer that hypothetical person what do I do um, it's a combination of understanding who you are mm-hmm. and then just being still. Yeah. Being still and knowing that he is God. I mean, you know, and then you have to work, you know, how you're going to do that on your own. Like put away your phone, like go to a quiet place. Like Jesus said, when you pray, go shut the door behind you. Your father who sees you in secret will will reward you openly. Yeah. Um, but those are the steps to intimacy. And then you'll see you'll see something happen in your life. You'll see not only will you be more aware of his presence, like 24-7, where it's like I don't get jump in and out of the presence of God. I understand that he's always with me. Um, not only will you see that, but you'll um, start to see your own life look more like Jesus. Just like yeah. it says in, I don't know if it's 1st, 2nd, or 3rd John, but it says, um, I should know that. Shouldn't know. Quote that. it. 
Um, as he is, so are we in this world. As he is, so are we in this world. Right. And so that's not as Jesus was on the earth. That's as he is in heaven. So are we on this earth. You start to become more like Jesus. And then all that other stuff, sin, drops off your life. Regret, shame, condemnation, that all drops off your life because what is there other than God? Mm-hmm. When you're, It's like one of my favorite songs, my favorite song. Um, Turn your eyes upon Jesus. I've sang it on this podcast. Mm-hmm. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. The things of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Right. That's it. I mean, that's it. That's like the, that's the pinnacle of Christianity. It's not what you can do for God, though you will. Those who know their God will then produce exploits. That's Daniel. Um, But you understand that the pinnacle of Christianity, Jesus prayed this, and we'll end it here. Mm-hmm. Jesus prayed this in John 17. This is the actual Lord's Prayer. People say the Lord's Prayer is our Father who art in heaven. That's the disciples' prayer. Um, the Lord's Prayer is Jesus in the garden. He's praying for you and for me. Like, actually, not, not them and in that time, but he's praying for those who will believe far off. So he's praying for us now in this in 2022. Um, he says, this is eternal life that they might know you. Yeah. Not eternal life. Isn't a time period. Eternal life is an experience that they might know you. And that's going back to the people that will work for God their whole life. But Jesus will look at them and say, I never knew you. Mm-hmm. It's a knowing. It's not a, knowledge knowing it's an experiential knowledge mm-hmm. that's the word in greek an experiential knowledge or aramaic um you have to know god yeah yep you just mic drop like mentally yeah yep. i just saw a moment there we go nailed well, it i enjoyed this i'm gonna listen to this i did it okay um thanks for everyone that is watching whether you're on youtube or listening on the podcast platforms uh thank you um say all these youtube things thank you like subscribe if you haven't already smash that subscribe button we're not doing that no we um but yes uh and if this helped you i want you to reshare it really helps and um just soak in his presence amen well thanks for being on lily this will in fact be the final time okay you said it the last time, so. Yeah. Oh, Anyways. it is. All right. I love you guys. Um, I don't feel like saying anything else. See ya. Bye.